If you would, turn in your Bible to Philippians 2, 25 through 30. 2, uh, 25 through 30. And this is the time of year that you, uh, you see a lot of neat stuff. Uh, one of the things that you see, and I notice is that there's a whole lot more people running this time of year than any other time of year. Have you noticed that? You go, I mean, people are just running. I mean, they got brand new Christmas jogging suits on. And, and and they are just walking up the streets and running here and running. I mean, people are exercising. You would think that if you if that was a small segment of our society, you would think that we're the most healthiest nation in the world based on how many people I've seen exercise uh, just the last little bit. I I wonder what gym uh, uh, enrollments are right now. I bet the gyms are just making a killing. Uh, Legends and some of these other places that have sell gym memberships. I bet that they are making a killing right now. What do you bet? And 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 think about the exercise manufacturers are making the the the, the exercise bikes and the stationary the stationary bikes and the and the uh, uh, treadmills and and the ab busters and all those types of different things. They're just making a killing right now. And as I've told you many times in the past, you just hang on. You didn't get yours. About three months from now, people will be having garage sales. And you can get that stuff at a fraction of the cost. Amen? And, and this is that time of year that people are making resolutions. And we're going to be talking about resolutions and commitments today because there is a difference resolutions are one thing they're nice and, and they're okay to, to I, I don't have anything against making a resolution but there's a difference in saying something and doing something and we're going to talk about that in today's message as we come together I, I want to read some scripture to you first from Philippians 2 verse 25 through 30 so if you would stand with me I want to read from Philippians 2, verse 25 through 30. And you might at first glance wonder how this fits, but it's a perfect illustration in Scripture of someone who was committed. <clears throat> verse 25 says this, and this is Paul writing in, in Philippians, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Aphrodite, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have, so have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may have be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death but not regarding his life to supply what is lacking in your service toward me. Let's pray. God, thank you today for your wonderful word. God, for your spirit that's already been in our service. And God, this is the year that we want to commit our services to you. Lord, help us, Lord, help us not to be distracted in any ways. God, to, to, as every thought that we come in this building be directed towards you. 
God, because when we do that, we have a promise that when we seek you, we're going to find you. And God, we need to find you. And God, help us. Help us to give you the praise and worship that's due only to you. This is your service. This is your time. God, speak to our hearts. This day and all the days of 2012, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Aphrodite was a good example of a committed life before God. Now, Paul singled him out. And if Paul singles you out, you must have done pretty good or done pretty bad. I never like to be singled out. Do you? You know, that nobody wants to just... Now, I do it sometimes, but I usually have permission. Or if I don't, I know they can take it good. If I point and say something about Tommy, I know Tommy can, can give as good as he gets. And so I'm not worried about that. But there are people in this congregation that I would not single out. And they are all the people that are right now putting their heads down hoping I won't single them out. So I, I kind of know where to go with that. I know who can take it. I know if I need somebody to pick on in the congregation, I can say Jim, and Jim will just he'll smile right back at me. He doesn't have an issue, David, and some of you others. But, but there are some people that don't want to be singled out. You can be singled out for good reasons. You can be singled out for bad reasons. But Paul is singling out this man, Aphrodite, for a good reason. He is using him as an example for the church at Philippi and for the church at Red Springs to see a man who was committed to the purpose and cause of the gospel. And we need examples today, church, because there's very few out there to find. There's very few people who actually commit to something and stick to it. We have a lot of people that make resolutions and tell me what they're going to do and tell you and tell the Lord what they're going to do, but you come back a week later, a month later, and you'll find out if it was serious or not. Because we, we it's easy to talk, isn't it? It's easy to say things. It's easy to say, I'm going to do so. I got excited today. I have someone from my family. Jenna's with us today. I'm singling her out. And, uh, and, and she, she takes, I don't ever get anybody texting me asking me to come to church. And I got a text this week. What time's church start? And it took me a while to get back to her. I was so excited I couldn't push the buttons. But I don't ever get somebody tells me they're going to be here. I don't. I wasn't going to be offended today if she didn't show up because how many times has somebody told you I'm going to see you Sunday and you're still looking? Now I'm glad when they tell me. I'm more glad when they show up. But I have learned to be careful about judging what people tell me they're going to do. Number one, it really don't matter what you tell me you're going to do because I'm not your judge, amen? You can tell me all you want to. I don't have power to do anything about it. But when it gets really serious is when we tell God we're going to do something and then we turn around and we don't do it. God takes that very serious. Now you may not. You may say, well, I had good intentions. Because we all have good intentions. How many of you... <clears throat> whether you made a resolution or not, how many of you at least felt a little bit like you should make some sort of change in your life this January? How many of you at least had a tinge of that? All across the place. And some of you are smart enough not to make that resolution. Some of you went ahead, and out of this whole crowd, there may be two or three that's serious enough to carry through. 
kind of tells us there's a difference between resolution and commitment, isn't there? And as we look at this, Paul calls Aphrodite, as we read, read through this, Aphrodite, I hope I'm saying it close, but he called him a brother, he called him a fellow worker, and he called him a what? A fellow soldier. He called him a brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier. And that lets me know, and it lets you know, that they were unified by what? If he's a brother, it's a spiritual relationship. You and I, are, if you're saved, if you're really born again, and I'm really born again, then you and I are related whether we like it or not. But we are spiritually related. We'll never get rid of that. And I don't want to, amen? But we are spiritually connected. So what you do affects me. What I do affects you. And even though I may not need to be minding all your business, I am concerned, especially about your relationship with God. And I hope you're concerned about mine. Because we're related, right? And it is important. That's not just a license to be a busybody. we got busybodies. Amen? We know those people. Amen. Some of you say amen. There are busybodies. I understand that. But being concerned about your brother or sister isn't necessarily being a busybody. It's being concerned about your brother or your sister. And I think God calls us to be concerned and to pray for those who, who need Him to come closer in their lives. So He was a brother, a fellow worker. <clears throat> we know that not only are we spiritually related now, but we also have a common purpose. You and your co-workers have a job to do. And you get the orders or the directions on what you're to do, and that's what you're supposed to do today. And you're not through till you get done. The boss isn't happy until it's completed, and you keep working until you get it done. That's the purpose of what you're called to work toward. And not only that, are you related and you have this common purpose, but you also, it says, are a fellow soldier, and that lets us know that as a fellow soldier, we're called to persevere hardships together. Soldiers have to, to operate in hard times. They have to work in bad conditions. <clears throat> Sometimes they don't get to eat good meals. They have to eat MREs, which is meals ready to eat, right? And, and, and last I heard, very few people go to restaurants to eat those things. That's not one of those things that you just put on your list. I would need some MREs. I just love that powdered... Whatever it is. Whatever. You put the water in, you got the cocoa might be alright. But, but, you know, powdered meatloaf to me just doesn't sound like something I want to be a part of. And I don't even know if there is such a thing. But you get the point that when we look at soldiers and, and this military effort that people are involved in, they have to endure hardship. And then there's something about Enduring hardship together. You know what? I've heard about people who've been married more than 15 minutes. Maybe 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I've heard about some of those people. They're few and they're far between anymore. Amen? But I've heard about a few. <coughs> and I've heard about that how they've gotten closer and how they've been able to make it. They always mention hard times. Because you find out that people will either pull together or they'll fall apart in hard times. 
You know, I heard so many bad stories teaching uh, about American history and, and teaching about uh, uh, the Great Depression. And I always heard how horrible it was. I always heard how bad it was. And yet I want to tell you something. When I talk to some older people who lived through that, who were affected by that, it, it's amazing to me that, that there's always kind of fond memories that come out of that. Now, not so much about the shortages and all those types of things, but they learned how to persevere because of a hardship. Haven't you seen that? See, we don't know much about that. We, we have figured out that if something ain't working, we can quit it. If my spouse or if I'm having issues, then it's just easy to do. It, it, listen, I'm not belittling this morning the times that there are hardships and issues, and unfortunately sometimes things don't work out. I got a word for you this morning. God loves you and He's still there for you. He'll never leave nor forsake you. And He's there for you no matter what. Amen? But our culture, talking about individuals, our culture has an issue with commitment. And so when we look at that this morning, we need to put that in context of fellowship, put that in context of church, put that in context of relationship especially. Now, when we look at this, Paul didn't have to ask about Epaphroditus's commitment. He didn't have to ask about whether he was truly in because he looked at him every day and it was in his actions. He knew that he was committed by what he did. Epaphroditus is only mentioned in the book of Philippians about, I think, two times. But he's evidently this messenger that works between the church and Paul. Now Paul shares this story of how he was committed to the church and even to the point where he put his health in jeopardy. Did you see that? He says, you're worried about him being sick. And, and by the way, he worked himself so hard that he almost died because he was that committed to, to do whatever the job was. Do you know people who are that committed that will put their health in jeopardy? I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you this morning. I know people that are so connected to their jobs that they put their health in jeopardy many times because they're that connected to that job. And that's a commendable thing. But, you know, jobs come and go. Jobs don't last. We'll commit ourselves to a job. We'll commit ourselves to school. We'll commit ourselves to something like that. But, but do we get that committed? Do we put that much on the line when it comes to our relationship to God? I'm not asking you to commit to the church in that level because I'm convinced that if you commit to God, all that will fall into place. But I'm asking you, are you willing to commit to God to that level, not some earthly organization? As we look at that, he sees that he shares in his story that he's committed to the point that his health it put him at the risk of death. And not only Paul knew about it, but the church knew about it as well. Aphroditus was not worried about personal suffering as long as the cause of Christ was advanced. Now the Bible warns us about growing weary and well-doing. And sometimes we have that problem. But there's another extreme that doesn't have that problem. That as soon as it gets difficult serving God, that's when we back up. That's when we let off. Sometimes you have to suffer for the cause of Christ. Did you know that? 
Sometimes you're called on to do things that are uncomfortable, that hurt, that don't feel good. God's called us to do that. And Epaphroditus was not worried about personal suffering as long as Christ was advanced. See, there's a lot of excuses we make for our lack of commitment. Let me say this really clearly. It's easy to make excuses. Did you catch that? But here we go. None of them are valid. Not one. We see in Scripture where God called people to follow Him. Jesus called people to follow Him. And they said, well, I need to. I just got married. I, I need to take care of my wife or I have to bury somebody. And Jesus Himself didn't buy those excuses. It's a commitment issue. And how serious are you about it? See, we have to be careful because most of what we do is just made up words. That's what a resolution is. I looked up this week, and in resolution, and I meant to write it down and I didn't, but resolution is just what you say you're going to do. But commitment is different. Because commitment is ongoing. Do you know when your commitment's over? When you, well, if you hang on to it, it's when you're dead. But your commitment is actually over when you quit. When you quit doing it, it's over. You've got to start over again. Your commitment will go on until you die or until that task is finished. And it's an ongoing thing. How do I know if you're committed? Look back over there and see if he's still doing it. Yep, he's committed. And if he's not, he ain't. Very easily picked up. And yes, I use the word ain't. I wonder if 2012... It's going to be the year where we go past what we say and display commitment by what we do consistently. Are we doing it every day? Because we have to remember that you're not trying to impress me. Amen, church? Quit If you are, quit trying. Because I'm easily impressed. And it don't matter. Quit trying to impress your neighbors, your Sunday school teachers, only one you need to be concerned about is impressing God. And you need to think about who you're trying to impress. This is God. He's got high standards. How will He judge your success? I have four principles quickly today that I just want to go over with you that will help us know if we're determined whether or not we're making a resolution or a commitment. Here's the first one. Making a resolution only declares your desire. When I say, this year, I want to lose 10 pounds, I am telling you what I want to do. I can tell you all day long. But until I actually lose it, do the work, lift the weight, walk the walk, quit eating all the stuff I want to, it's not going to happen. That's just pure and simple. And making this resolution just tells you what I'd like to see happen. I'd like to lose some weight. Well, let's just sit, let's just think about it for a I'd love to lose some weight. 
While we're at it, let's go about 35 pounds. I'd love to, to have the guns. I'd love to, to have the abs. I, that's great. You know what? I'd like a Mercedes while I'm at it. Man. How about two? There's all kind of things I want. But I'm only stating my desire. I've not done anything to see it happen. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. See, we may want to change, but God's the one to know if it's true or not. He knows whether it's words, because He instantly hears the words and looks past them and see if the heart's there. He says... He, he hears you say, I want to lose 10 pounds. He looks in your hearts and said, no way. He knows when they balance. He knows when they're the same. He goes past the words. And only God can energize you for change. He's the only one that can truly change you if that's what you want. Did you know that in order to change, He has to want you to change before you change? And He has to allow you to do that? Making a resolution only declares what you want. Here's the second one. Committing to a resolution will meet resistance, you ready for this, 100% of the time. I could stop on that and go to the next one. Committing to a resolution will meet resistance 100% of the time. Paul describes that journey, that struggle that we all face. Romans seven fifteen through 20 says, For what I am doing... I do not understand. For what I will to do, then I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. You ever felt that way? If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That gets a little wordy, so let me say it to you this way. I want to do something, but I can't. And I don't want to do that, but that's what I end up doing. Have you ever been there? We say, God, I know you've called me not to do this, and then we slip and do it anyway. And then we blame it on the devil. But you are not Flip Wilson. You made a choice. The devil didn't make you do it. You made a choice. You cannot say it was an accident. You knew what you were going to do, and you did it anyway. Commitment... Is an ongoing process and only God can help you with it. How do we say a while ago, if you find out if you're committed, you look over there and if he's still doing it, he's committed. Third principle that I want to share with you this morning is this. <clears throat> the strength of your resolution will be measured in the depth of your commitment. If your resolution is going to work, we'll find out how committed you are. I told you I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, keep watching. By the way, I haven't actually made that resolution, okay? But I've shared with you before my ongoing struggles at times with Dr. Peppers, right? 
And I shared with you one time, and I made the biggest mistake in the classroom I could ever make. I put it in the hands of teenagers. And I said, from the class, I said, if you see me drink a Dr. Pepper, because I'm trying to stop, if you see me drink a Dr. Pepper, I'll give you five bonus points. That's all you got to do to a teenager, because they always needing bonus points. And so I found myself like a almost an addict sneaking around corners trying to drink Dr. Peppers. And this is when I was teaching in Hope. And I knew it had gotten beyond levels I could control when I was teaching Hope. I was in Texarkana and a student come out of nowhere and said, got you five points. I was in a restaurant. It had gotten out of hand. Are you really committed? I tell you what, when you put that in the hands of, of somebody else, you better be prepared because they'll hold you to a standard. Did you know that God does the same thing? You can commit it because you, because we're emotional. Boy, the first of the year, it's easy to, yeah, I'm going to look, this is my year. New me. I'm going to lose the weight. And you feel that way January 2nd. But March is going to come around. And the summer. And boy, by the time the holidays get here, how committed are you? Me too. <laughs> committed and being committed is an ongoing process. And the strength of your resolution is measured in the depth of your commitment. How much... Do you want to please God? That's the question. Do you want to please God? And then you follow it up with how much? How much are you willing to do? What are you willing to give up? Oh yeah, you're going to have to give up sometimes. And, and the preacher's not going to have to tell you what you're going to give up. I'm glad for that. People want to say, well, what do I need to quit doing? Then I get nosy. I want to know what they're doing wrong. But it's not for me to say. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That if you are saved, you have on the inside. So the first thing is, is do you have the Holy Spirit on the inside? If you don't, then let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. You need to get saved. Then, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you must do. You do a whole lot better than any preacher. Next principle is this, and the last one I'll share. Commitment. It's not pretty. It's not glamorous. And it's not easy. But it's the vital ingredient to change. People win awards for all kind of stuff. Best of show. When we did the, I know for Boy Scouts, it's time for Pinewood Derby. And boy, they'll give awards for all. Best, best looking car, best, best spaceship looking car, best, co best car that's colored black, you know, all kind of different things. There's all kind of awards that are out there. But I have not seen very many awards for people who were committed. Person who put up with their spouse 75 years. 60 years. I mean, you don't get awards. You ought to get awards for that. Amen? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You ought to get awards for that. Big trophies. 
but you don't. You don't get trophies for that. You get something greater. Commitment isn't pretty. It isn't glamorous. It isn't easy. But if you're going to change, you're going to have to do it. God can and does bring change into your life, into my life, because He's conforming us as Christians to the image of Jesus. That's why it hurts sometimes. Very simple. If you're saved, you're still a mess. God loves you, wants you to be like Jesus, but you're still a mess. So now, as a saved person, a Christian, God's going to take the mess and conform it to Jesus. And that's wonderful. I'm glad He's doing it. But I'm going to tell you, you're a mess. This is Jesus. There's times it's going to hurt. Because He's going to have to pull off stuff that don't belong. He's going to have to add things and upgrade you because you don't have them in the first place to conform you, the mess, to the image of Christ. And you thought being a Christian was going to be easy? Sometimes it's the hardest thing you can do. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't take nothing for it. But let's be serious. Commitment's not pretty. But it's vital. <clears throat> Ultimately, the only commitments that we can keep are the ones that God will let us keep. Second Timothy 1 and 12 says this, For this reason I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. I'm convinced that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. And here's the thing. There is a that day. There's coming a day when all the struggles and all the heartaches and all that part of it will end. For a believer in Christ who is in Jesus Christ, it's going to be a wonderful day. Because the heartache's over. The suffering's through. Won't have to worry about losing loved ones anymore. Won't have to worry about getting cancer anymore. Won't have to worry about all this stuff that we've struggled with on and on and on. On that day, church, it's going to be over for us and the new life is going to really begin in eternity with Him. Looking forward to that day, how about you? But the flip side is for those that don't know Christ. For those who have maybe acted like they were spiritual. For those who had a form of godliness but really didn't know the power that was in it. For those people who kind of walked a little bit of it and got close to making a commitment, but it was more or less just a resolution because they knew they should and Mama told them to. For those people who never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, asked Him to come into their heart, forgive them of their sins. For those people who never really make the commitment, they don't have that to look forward to. They have a hell to look forward to. Do you see why it's urgent in 2012 to be serious in our worship to God? It's not time to play. 
It's not time to just halfway be in and out. And I'm not talking about in and out of church. I'm talking about in and out with your relationship with the Lord. I want you to come to church every time the door's open, but that won't save you. I want you to be committed to Red Springs. I want you to be a giver. I want you to pray when you're supposed to pray. I want you to do everything just right. But that will not take you to heaven. Only knowing Jesus Christ, your Lord, your Savior, and a personal relationship will do that. As they come today, as they prepare the invitation, be serious in what we say. And think about this just for a few moments. I'm about to let you loose. <clears throat> and you can make a decision that you can handle this message in a few ways. You can leave here today thinking, hey, he did another good job. I guess he's making his pay. Doing a good job. I, I, that's good. I'm Good job. You can leave here rejecting what you heard. You can leave here listening to what you heard and then looking for ways that Christ wants you to speak through it. Maybe He doesn't want you to be saved because you're already, but maybe He's dealing with you to make a deeper commitment with Him. Every time I preach, every time you hear a message, the hope is, is that you'll respond, not just to the church or to the preacher, but to the Lord. Today, would you respond to Him? Would you let Him speak to your heart? And would you speak to Him at this time? Father, thank You, Lord, for Your love, Your mercy that You shared with us. And God, thank You for those that are here today. I pray everybody heard the message. God, for those that don't know You, please, break it down. Break down their walls. God, rattle them if it has to happen so they can see you. Speak to our hearts. Help us to judge our own commitments to you. To know whether it's just words or whether it's a deep commitment that will continue to the end. In Jesus' name.